Hello, I'm Gavin Givanoni, Professor of Neurology at Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry, and I'm responding to a question I get over and over again. Is primary progressive multiple sclerosis a different disease? And I have to repeat myself, but it needs to be said that MS, in my opinion, is one disease and not two, three, or four diseases. To drive home the point, I also want to ask you uh, the question, what has salami or sliced salami got to do with the classification of MS? And if you're interested in finding out why, you have to listen to this podcast or read the uh, newsletter. Now, a lot of dogma has crept into the field of multiple sclerosis, uh, and a lot of people simply accept that primary progressive MS is non-inflammatory that people with primary progressive disease don't have relapses and that it's a different disease from what we call relapse onset multiple sclerosis. So to challenge the first one is that primary progressive is non-inflammatory, I think is completely wrong. And I quote a very well done pathology study uh, in people who died with MS that was done by Professor Thomas Reves, a neuropathologist at Queen Square, and he compared the post-mortem uh, brain specimens of people with secondary progressive MS and primary progressive MS. And to be honest with you, um, there was no difference. He couldn't differentiate them. What he did find, though, was that there was a what I would call a qualitative uh, difference. There were fewer lesions uh, in people with primary progressive disease. But at the end of the day, they were as inflammatory, as damaging as the lesions you saw in, in, in secondary progressive disease. So the pathologist under the microscope can't say that this particular brain comes from somebody with relapse onset disease or primary progressive disease. So if you can't tell at a pathological level, then how the hell do you expect us to accept that these are two different diseases? Now, what about the dogma that people with primary progressive disease don't have relapses is absolutely wrong. And the reason why I say that is when you take any trial that's been done of people who come into the study with primary progressive MS, in other words, relentless worsening of disability without superimposed relapses, um, you find that a significant number of them go on to have relapses during the trial. So the first one I'd like to quote was the rituximab in primary progressive MS or the LIMPUS trial. And in that study, 11 of the 439 subjects had relapses during the trial. When you go to a more contemporary one, which is much earlier primary progressive disease, the so-called Oratoria study, which looked at ocrelizumab in primary progressive disease, in people on placebo, 11%, so more than 1 in 10 had relapses. And in those on ocrelizumab, 1 in 25% had relapses. Similarly, when you go back to one of the older glutarium acetate in primary progressive disease, they don't report the number of relapsing patients. But 14% of the study subjects, and it was well over 900 patients, had GAD-enhancing lesions on the MRI scan. And we now know that GAD-enhancing lesions is the MRI equivalent of relapses. What determines whether a lesion uh, that is enhancing causes a relapse or not it is where it occurs, at site. If it's in an eloquent site that causes symptoms, people will have a relapse. So the dogma that uh, primary progressive disease is not inflammatory based on relapses and MRI activity is incorrect. <clears throat> Then the final dogma, primary progressive MS is a different disease to secondary progressive is wrong. So one of the ways you can go about doing that is to know, we know that MS is familial uh, and it occurs in, 
in about a third of identical twins. If one has MS, the other one has MS. So you'd expect then, if it, if it was familial MS, the phenotypes you know should track with families. It's not true. So the proportion of people, um, uh, the proportion of people uh, who have relapse, one has relapse onset and the other has second uh, primary progressive disease, is about a quarter, just under a quarter. And this was that this was a very well done study by Jeremy Chataway. Uh, um, it was published in the journal of Neurology and Neurosurgery and Psychiatry in two thousand and one. And uh, I put up the table in the newsletter so you can actually see that there is discordance within families and with twin pairs. One may one may have relapse onset disease, the other one have primary progressive disease. Again, the clinical course. So when you look at the clinical course, so once people become progressive and labeled as progressive, in other words, secondary progressive or primary progressive, their clinical courses overlap almost identically on average. Uh, we should indicate that the, the biology is the same. What differs is people with secondary progressive disease just have a relapsing course and are diagnosed, uh, say, 10 years earlier than the primary progressive cohort. But once they've been labeled as having progressive disease, they track their clinical courses over, superimposed on top of each other, which is a strong argument for them being the same disease. <clears throat> I think what is different is the age of onset. So primary progressive patients get diagnosed 10 years later, 39 or 40 versus uh, 30 for relapse onset disease. And that's telling us that people with primary progressive disease are just very unlucky. They don't have a lesion that occurs during that, uh, what I would call the asymptomatic period of primary progressive disease in an eloquent pathway. Um, to, to bring them to the attention of a healthcare professional, which is why they get diagnosed later, older, and they are less responsive to disease-modifying therapies because they're at least 10 or more years into the, the clinical course. Now, there are other differences um, that you need to be aware of is that when you look at relapse-onset disease, females predominate. So at least two to one ratio, sex ratio, females to males, and that's going up. In some parts of the world, it's four to five to one. And when you look at epidemiology databases, it looks like the incidence, the number of new cases of primary progressive disease is staying relatively constant. And what's increasing is the number of relapse onset cases with more females getting the disease. Why this is, why the sex ratio is changing is unknown. Some epidemiologists suggest it may be related to smoking, childhood obesity, vitamin D deficiency from using sunblock to prevent aging, et cetera. We don't know, though. And I think we're going to have to answer this question if we're going to pin down what causes multiple sclerosis. <clears throat> so that's one thing is the changing uh, sex ratio and the changing uh, incidence of relapse onset disease versus primary progressive disease. We don't know. Um, now, why there is this difference in sex ratio um, uh, has been explained by some immunologists that the sex hormones, either female hormones or male hormones, affect how the immune system works. That may be correct, but we don't know what component it is, and I'm loath to accept that as a simple explanation of why um, there's a difference between the sex ratios. So let's keep this an open-ended question. And finally, if you start going back to basics and look at the philosophical principles, and there is a field in medicine called medical philosophy. If you go to the medical philosophers and you ask them about the principles of classifying and defining diseases in medicine, you soon realize that MS okay, can, is one disease. You cannot divide it into three separate categories and it has no biological underpinnings. And I think 
we then have to ask the question, well, how did MS become three or four diseases? And the reason is that way back in 1988, a company called Chiron Corporation and Berlix Laboratories, they managed to get the Food and Drug Administration, FDA in the United States, to accept MS as an orphan disease. But to be an orphan disease, you have to have less than 200,000 people uh, to be called an orphan disease. And the only way this was possible was to salami slice up MS into relapsing remitting disease, secondary progressive MS, and primary progressive MS. And when you looked at all those three categories, there were less than 200,000 pe people in those three categories. And why this is important, because the Orphan Drug Act in the United States allows you to license a new therapy for a disease that's an orphan disease with one trial. Okay, and this is exactly the uh, underlying uh, reason why we started doing separate trials in relapse and remitting, secondary progressive and primary progressive because the FDA accepted MS as being three diseases. Later on, they added a fourth category called clinically isolated syndrome, which fortunately is disappearing now with our new diagnostic criteria evolving. It's very unusual now to leave people as CIS. Saying this, um, when you look at uh, risk patients, these are people with radiologically isolated syndrome or asymptomatic MS. What's really interesting is when you follow those uh, cohorts up, you know, people who've identified as having asymptomatic MS. So these are people presenting with other diseases, like a headache and they have an MRI scan, it looks like MS. Uh, what's interesting is about 15% of those will go on to develop primary progressive disease, whereas the 85% develop uh, relapse onset disease. So even when you look at the evolution of radiologically isolated syndrome or asymptomatic MS, they part, they partition out into primary progressive and relapsing remitting disease, which is probably the biggest clue uh, that MS is one disease. Okay. Uh, just to say to you that um, the mess we find ourselves in is really causing problems for people with the disease. And I think it's very unfair um, to continue doing clinical trials in one subtype because the other subtype loses out. And I have little doubt that what works in secondary progressive disease works in primary progressive disease and vice versa. And, uh, you know, ex expecting people with primary progressive disease to wait longer duration to have tr treatments licensed has consequences. You know, five, ten years in the life of somebody with primary progressive MS is a long, long time. And that's the difference from going from being mobile to uh, being in a wheelchair or even bed bound. Uh, and so uh, we really need to, um, you know, fight back against this uh, artificial classification of MS as multiple diseases. So please, if you um, have any questions around my post, ask them and I'll answer them and let's have a debate. Uh, I know this is controversial. Some people don't agree with me and I'm actually going to be doing a, a debate in inverted commas uh, uh, or talk on this exact topic at the European Schalke Foundation meeting in November. Um, hopefully I can put my slides up when they're available and go through all the arguments about why I think MS is one disease. Another thing I'd like to do is get rid of this term progressive. Um, it actually confuses people. It's also a misnomer. Progression usually means improvement. We should get a, get rid of it because it's creating a lot of problems with misclassification and it has a, having a big impact on how we treat multiple sclerosis. I think we need to probably uh, develop a new classification system or at least a new nomenclature of how we describe the clinical course of MS so not to jeopardize or handicap people with the disease in terms of access uh, to treatments. 
finally if you are um, a subscriber or paid subscriber thank you we are moving quite rapidly now uh, to launching our beta version of our, our microsite and uh, for those of you who can afford to play i pay i urge you to uh, i've had a suggestion that we should probably go back to launching these um uh, newsletters for paying subscribers subscribers only and then uh, opening up to uh, uh, for free after about a six month period i don't want to do that but um, i'm having a lot of people not renewing their subscriptions and the economics of uh, having to pay the medical writer and the website designer is 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 uh, potentially non-viable and uh, I was hoping that uh, you know, um, uh, voluntary subscriptions would make this a viable funding solution to uh, creating the curated uh, website for new, newly diagnosed uh, people with multiple sclerosis and to launch the education program, you know, the formal course that will be online. Thank you.